This episode is brought to you by Greg Morris Cards, one of the largest sports card sellers on the planet. Greg sells over 80,000 vintage and modern cards every month, including basketball, football, baseball, hockey, all sports really, and even some non-sports cards too. On top of that, every raw card receives the same hand grading that collectors have put their trust in for over 15 years. What are you waiting for? Head on over to gregmorriscards.com auctions and check it out for yourself. What's up, everyone? This is episode 208 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle, and as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast, and my Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. Well, hopefully you'll be able to listen to this episode when it actually comes out. For whatever reason, there seem to be some major issues with iTunes and Spotify last week, maybe some other uh, podcast outlets as well. I don't know. That was a first for me, and my bills are paid, so that one's on them. I don't anticipate that becomes a normal thing, but I appreciate you all being patient with that as that got sorted out. For those of you that did get to listen to it, it was my 14th listener mailbag, and one of the questions asked if I would rather have Taco Bell for life or every basketball hobby box for the next year, and I chose cards, but I really chose both because I assumed there would be some really expensive boxes released in the future, and I could just sell those to get whatever Taco Bell funds I needed and I specifically mentioned Panini Eminence. Wouldn't you know it, not long after that episode came out, Panini announced that we're getting an Eminence product for the 2021-2022 season with a tentative release date of March 29th, 2023. And of course, we all know that's going to get bumped back at least a month, if not more, like every other release now. Uh, And obviously, I I didn't speak that into existence. I know those products have been in the works for a while now, but I thought the timing on that was pretty funny. And this release seems completely unnecessary for this season, but here we are. You know, expect the unexpected. And here you are today, and I'm glad you've chosen to spend some of your valuable time listening to this show. Earlier this week, I had a conversation with a Knicks fan named Will. You might know him on Instagram as Prolific Sports Cards. I'm pretty excited about sharing that one with you today, and there's no major mail that I want to share this week. I do have one piece I'm waiting on that got hung up at the authentication center. Hopefully no other issues. It's just a matter of timing. So with that being said, I'm going to go straight into today's transition read and then move right into the main segment. All right, so just a reminder, if you enjoy this show and want to help support what I do, I've signed up for affiliate programs with eBay and Fanatics. Simply go to my website, which is www.waxmuseumpodcast.com, click whatever store you need to go to, shop as planned, and the show gets a small commission in the process. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. Hustle. Grind. Spam. Profit. We're the Rip Gods. You're listening to the Wax Museum Podcast. Okay, so joining me today is someone that I think has some of the best card photography on Instagram. You might have seen his profile already where he posts under the handle at prolific sports cards. 
And over the last couple of years, we've chatted Pacers and Knicks, Panini status, and drawing beards on Walt Frazier rookies, among other things. And I have a feeling at least several, maybe um, actually all of those topics will probably come up as part of today's conversation. Will, how's it going, man? Going great. Thank you so much for having me, Kyle. I'm really excited. Like you said, we've had some great conversations on Instagram, but excited to talk face-to-face here. Yeah, it's, um, you know, like I've said before, the podcast gives me an excuse to do that. I kind of wish I had started doing that before the podcast. It's always nice to get to know people in this capacity, especially when you have similar interests here. And, um, you know, we first connected through Instagram. Obviously, I I mentioned your profile here, your handle a little bit in the intro. So we might as well start there. I know what the word prolific means, but uh, what's the relationships to, to cards? What's the story behind your handle? Yeah, so prolific comes from my favorite NBA player of all time, favorite broadcaster of all time, Walt Frazier, who's known for his immaculate vocabulary. He's got all his rhymes, um, but he uses a lot of different unique adjectives to describe some of the players um, that he's watching on the court. So he uses precocious a lot, auspicious, sagacious, uh, and prolific is one of the most common ones. So when I created my handle and my page on Instagram, I wanted to have kind of an ode to Walt Frazier, um, use a word that was a little bit unique, um, but still relevant. And most people knew what it meant when they saw it. Well, uh, another thing he's known for is just the fact that he wears some some very um, colorful attire from time to time. Well, really, every time I see him. And um, I mentioned in, in the same way, you've got some really great and, and flashy photography on your Instagram and uh, we were talking before, one thing I really like about it is that your posts are very consistent, whereas my stuff is kind of all over the place. Mine, you know, I don't have a lot of patience taking pictures and mine's kind of like, hey, here's a picture. But what you've done on your profile is obviously a very intentional effort. So can you talk me through your goals with your photography and some of the write-ups and what your process looks like for a typical post? Yeah, thank you for noticing that. I uh, Consistency is the most important word for me. That was my number one goal in finding a post format that worked for me. I wanted something very repeatable. Should I ever move, sell my desk that I'm taking the photographs on, get a different light set up, whatever. I always wanted to be able to recreate the same type of posts exactly the same way. So I've gone through a couple different iterations of posting and I end up archiving it. And I'm at a point now where I am happy with what I've got, but Essentially, I set up a ring light and point it straight down at my desk, take a picture straight on grid lines on your camera. Biggest pro tip I can offer for taking a picture of your card because you can line it up so it's perfectly straight. And then I'll Photoshop it onto a blue background, adjust the lighting a little bit if need be. But um, I wanted to get something really clean, really consistent that people recognize and it's kind of that navy blue color has become a bit, you know, a big part of my brand where I've been at a card show, mentioned my Instagram handle, and they said, oh, are you the one with the navy blue post? So <laughs> I know it's come in handy. Um, and I, I just wanted that clean, sleek look that is repeatable and people will recognize my post without seeing my username on there. Yeah, I used to have this like, I don't know, like a black folder that had kind of a pattern on it. And I used to go out to my porch, my back porch, and I'd have to, I could only go at certain times of the day and I'd take my pictures outside. That was on my Deadshots cards account, which probably has better photography than than this current one here. 
um, I was more focused on it then, but everyone's always told me natural light. Whereas you're saying, uh, and, and I, you know, I think your post looked better than what I was getting there. You're saying you use the ring light and you use that inside. So, so what caused you to make that switch or, or did you ever really go with natural light? Yeah, I, I like the ring light a lot. I like having light from all directions. I've heard that that helps as opposed to having one spotlight on it. So when there's that circle light around the whole card, I used to use a scanner. I bought one, which is great for consistency, mm -hmm. great for matte cards, like a flawless or something like that, a tops paper. But I wasn't happy with the way that refractors looked on the scanner. I felt like they were flattening the images just a bit. I knew they shined way more in person than what was coming through after I scanned them. So the ring light was something I got some tips on from other collectors, tried it out and was very happy with the way it shined down on the card and, um, you know, different colors popped and I could edit it and put it on uh, Photoshop and upload it and very happy with the, the way the profile's looking now. Yeah, I, I'm a big scanner guy, actually. And, and people have asked me when I'll post scans on like Twitter, those those look decent compared to some of the photos that I've been taking. And they'll say, hey, you know, what kind of scanner do you have? That's great. And it's it's just some like multi you know purpose printer that I bought for like a hundred bucks like a decade ago. And I don't even think it prints anymore, but it's just the scanner functions on it is still pretty good. But like you said, I, I'll put a gold prism in there and it is awful. Um, obviously yep. got to have photos for those. So I'm kind of stuck between, all right, do I, do I want to, you know, have one for the other or, or how am I going to do this? So, uh, but you seem to have found a pretty nice balance and a pretty nice pattern there. And a lot of those pictures are Nick's cards, but your profile now, it says you're from Chicago and, and people these days don't just choose to become Nick's fans. Right. So especially not if they're from Chicago. <laughs> so I've got to hear the story behind your Nick's fandom. So if you don't mind, tell us a little bit more about how it started, how it grew and what exactly it looks like now. I spent most of my life in New York. So I grew up in Westchester County, just outside of Manhattan. So I lived there from age five to 18, I think. So growing up in the tri-state area, I was a short train ride away from the city my dad would take me to knicks games at the time the nets were in new jersey so the knicks were the team that's who was on mike breen and walt frazier were announcing all the games so as i grew up and started playing basketball and watching it the knicks were the team and even though they weren't as successful as i'd like them to be <laughs> they had uh some really fun teams some of my favorite players growing up were uh Stefan Marbury, he was the first uh, signature shoe that I had because he made them okay. so affordable. So I got <laughs> some Marbury's as a kid. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> eight, yeah. Was it an $8? I had an $8 pair I think I, I wore at one point. Yeah, I think it was 10 or 12 bucks, but something like that. So I've always rooted for them. And then I have only moved to Chicago in the past five years or so for work, but I've carried on rooting for my Knicks and League Pass allows me to watch, you know, 75 games a year for the Knicks. So I'll continue to root for them through through ups and downs, mostly downs recently. But <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, speaking of such, you know, I I look at the Knicks now, and I'll, I'll say I don't really know where this is going now. I and I know, mind you, this whole time I I'm a Pacers fan, right? So I I know my place here. But um, I really liked R.J. Barrett coming out of Duke, and and I haven't given up on him either. I'm I'm a big R.J. Barrett fan, 
and, and people forget, you know, he's only 22 right now, but uh, you've got Julius Randall, who I don't enjoy watching at all, but he's putting up career numbers. So I, I can't really, you know, I can't really say much about that. And then you went out and spent a ton of money on Jalen Brunson, who, you know, people criticize that move, but he's been awesome. So you're currently sixth in the East. What are your thoughts on this Tom Thibodeau era so far? I am really excited about this uh, this year. I think it's the best the team has looked since 2012, 2013, which I'm sure we'll get into oh, later. Oh, yeah, we're, we're going to get to that. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the level of stability that Tom Thibodeau has brought to the team. The Knicks cycled through so many coaches for a period where nobody lasted more than a season or two. You know, we had... Derek Fisher, Kurt Rambis, Hornacek, David right. Fisdale, all in the span of six or seven years. So to even have been here for three years, that's a lot of stability to the team. I think Thibodeau raises the floor of a team. I don't think you're going to have an awful basketball team with Tom Thibodeau at the helm with his focus on defense. Um, I think the worst team he's ever coached was the uh, his first year in Minnesota, maybe. So mm-hmm. I like him. The uh, the critique that he gets a lot is he overworks the starters and plays them a tremendous amount of minutes. I think a couple of years ago, Julius Randle led the league playing 38 minutes a game or something like that. Yeah. He does some funny things with rotations too, where he'll go cold turkey on a player where somebody's playing a significant role, even starting, and they'll suddenly be getting DNPs for a, you know weeks at a time. It happened to... Kemba Walker, it happened to Alfred Payton, it's happening right now to Derek Rose and Evan Fournier. So he does some interesting stuff with the uh the rotations like that that I I would like to see a reduced role for some of my favorite players to see how that, you know, how it carries out and if they can play with the second unit or things like that. But I'm a I'm a Thibodeau fan. Speaking of Jalen Brunson, he's the best thing that's happened to the Knicks in a long time all-star snub love watching that guy i thought that was a lot of money for brunson but the facts don't don't lie you look at him right now and he's been incredible and uh it's interesting your roster construction now because you have moved a good amount of young guys in there and i think for a while the another criticism on thibodeau in addition to overplaying his starters well that came at the expense of his young guys you know like or like he would bring in todge gibson instead of playing one of your young guys and it's just like i this doesn't make sense to me but, um, you know, that seems to be his way. And and as long as guys are staying healthy when they're putting all those minutes in, once again, you can't complain about that. So it will be interesting to see what your Knicks do this year, if they make any noise in the playoffs. If not, though, I, I suppose you can always focus on past eras. Speaking of other eras, have you seen the trailer for the new Sweetwater Clifton movie? Yes, and I'm so excited about it. From what I've read, it's been in the works for quite a long time. I I think they started planning it in 2007. So to finally see a uh, a trailer out for it with a pretty impressive cast. I know Jeremy mm-hmm. Piven's in it playing uh, playing the coach. So I'm I'm thrilled about this. Yeah, the the one thing that kind of scares me, and and even I saw it a little bit in the trailer, was the the basketball scenes. 
And, you know, that that kind of plagues all sports dramas and all sports series in general. So I, I have to kind of let that go. I know that's not the focus of this whole thing. So I pulled up the cast list. I'm not a movie guy. So instead of looking at the actors so much, I was looking at, all right, what players are depicted in this movie? And I saw Mike and I saw Jim Pollard. Of course, there's a lot of Globetrotters and I, I've been big into reading about the Globetrotters. So I'm pretty excited for this. Um, I hate going to the theater. I don't think I've seen a movie in theater since Justice League. So that's been, what, five or six years. So this one might actually get me to the theaters here. So I'm pretty excited about that. But this isn't a movie podcast. So we're here to talk about cards. Now that we know, you know, exactly why you're a Knicks fan, let's go ahead and talk about your hobby history. So um, if you don't mind, go ahead and narrate that for us. I'd love to know more about how you got to where you are today. Growing up, I initially focused more on baseball cards. That's what I played as a kid. I think they were more easily accessible at the time. For me, I would just beg my parents for a pack every time we were in a gas station or a Target or things like that. As a kid, I really only cared about two things with cards. If it was my favorite player on the card and if it looked cool. And that was it. I didn't know about pop reports. I didn't know about what SP meant. I didn't know, you know, condition. I would have a stack of cards, throw a rubber band around it, toss it in my backpack and take it to school. So uh, a different time that I, I missed to some degree, but every uh, Christmas or for my birthday, my dad would get me that complete top set from from the year. It was like a long box mm-hmm. of six or 700 cards. It was about 60 bucks. So it was a very special gift to get that each year. And I would go through every single card, put them in order from the card number, and then put them in a gigantic three ring binder. So I think at my parents' house, I have 10 or 12 straight years of the tops complete set put in order. So that was how I fell in love with cards and reading the stats on the back and learning about the league through cards, which is something I love to do. I love to you know, understand the history of the game th- through cards. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what got me started on that. And then with a lot of other people in the past you know, three years or so, I've gotten more into really studying it and the markets and, you know, the different sets and, um, you know, interacting with people over Instagram and learning more about cards that way. So it's something that I've always loved and has always been a part of my life and have recently become, a, you know, a really big passion and hobby and something that takes up a lot of my time. So how you mentioned a lot about the baseball sets there. How did you kind of transition from that, uh, from the baseball side to the basketball side? It kind of transitioned along with my, with my fandom. I was a better basketball player than I was a baseball player. So I started playing basketball more than baseball. I started watching it. We touched on earlier, but growing up watching the Knicks, I uh, started to collect my favorite players that way. And it was something that interested me more than, than baseball as I got a little bit older. So on my uh, Instagram feed now, I have only basketball cards, but I did very intentionally name myself Prolific Sports Cards. If I ever do get another card from another sport, I can post it without <laughs> any qualms from uh, contradicting my Instagram handle. So are you a Yankees fan? I'm curious. I'm a Mets fan. Okay. Knicks and Mets. Okay. Yeah. How, how did that happen? I think that's just who my friends uh, rooted for where we grew up, just outside of the city. Had a lot of Mets fans found that uh, there are different kind of groupings of New York sports fans where I find like the Knicks and Mets and the Jets go together a lot, Mm -hmm. whereas a lot of my friends were Giants, Yankees 
and Nets fans. So I'm not exactly sure how that happens, but it, it seemed like that's the most common trio of teams to root for. Yeah, I, I found with sports, really, it's like no matter where you're at, it's it's like you don't really pick your teams. It's just you're you're kind yeah. of there and, and they pick you and the circumstances dictate, you know, what team you are. Um, I think it's safe to say now, just based off your posts and based off your history, that you're pretty active in the hobby. And and really, it's not just Nick's cards. You mentioned baseball there, but also um, with basketball, I've noticed that you collect different Panini era inserts, um, some of the you know nicer looking ones, especially the ones that photograph really well. I've seen some titanium stuff on your profile, but let's just stick with the team stuff here for a little bit. And I ask this question to pretty much all the team collectors that come on here. What does your daily Knicks routine look like? How would you describe a day in the life of a team collector? I got a lot of safe searches on eBay with the word Knicks in it. So I love going for different sets and collecting all the Knicks from that set. Specifically, Prism's got a few orange parallels that look great on Knicks mm-hmm. cards. I love that kind of team color match. It gives me a great reason to collect players that I wouldn't otherwise. Like for that 2013 um, and 14, you know, Knicks orange set, for example, I'm buying Jose Calderon cards and Clee Anthony early cards. And I love getting players like that and seeing what the team looked like at that moment in time. One set that I recently completed was the 1985 star New York Knicks team, which was not a great team. I think they had 30 wins, but um, they had Bernard King on the team. They had Bill Cartwright and PSA recently started grading those cards again. So I have the entire 85 star set graded by PSA. So I I love just looking through those, seeing what the team looked like, piecing together what the rotations were at the time based on the stats on the back of the card. So it's a really fun way to do it where it will sometimes bite me in the butt is I love specifically collecting cards in the Knicks jersey. So for example, right now, I've been holding off on buying much Jalen Brunson because there aren't any Knicks jersey cards Mm -hmm. out there. It's all stuff in Mavs jerseys. Jalen Brunson's prices are kind of skyrocketing. So (laughs) I probably could have gotten in on the ground floor if I started buying at the beginning of the season. But um, we'll see what his prices look like next year when the uh, 2023 products start coming out. So I'm in a similar situation with uh, Tyrese Halliburton and even he's starting to get some game worn stuff in a Pacers uniform, but they're like purple patch pieces. And it's, it's, I'm still like, and, and one of them, like an immaculate one, I saw numbered to, I don't know, 25, it went for like a thousand bucks. And I'm like, there, first off, there's no way I would pay that even if it was a Pacers patch, but like, why? Like who, I don't understand who's buying this stuff. And um, I, I think part of it is just because there are so few products coming out, there's just so little to choose from. So guys like us are, are stuck in this situation. Every time I go to shows and I'm wearing my Pacer stuff, people are like, I got a Halliburton rookie for you. It's like, well, you know, I really don't want it unless it's, yeah. there, there's just a couple that, I you know, I want like the optic hollow and, and maybe the prism silver. But beyond that, I really don't want it. Speaking of Tyrese Halliburton. We might as well bring this up now. It is All-Star Weekend that we're recording this. Knicks fans and Pacers fans were going at it a little bit because of something that uh, one of your, uh, I I guess, in-studio analysts, he's not even really a commentator, in-studio analyst, Wally Zerbiak, something that he said, he called him a wannabe All-Star. What were your thoughts on that whole situation? Honestly, I was more confused than anything. I I like Wally. He was a a great player, did a lot of good stuff in the league. He was an All-Star. The this, this statement came kind of out of left field for me, so I want to assure your listeners and fellow Pacers <laughs> fans that Wally 
doesn't speak for me in that regard. But uh, that being said, you know, he does fill in for uh, Walt uh, as the game analyst every now and then. And I almost don't want to put this out into the universe, but Walt Frazier might be within a few years of retirement. And Wally is a uh, has got a, a great chance to be the replacement as the Knicks analyst on TV. So I'm trying to embrace stay on that. Wally's side, <laughs> yeah. em- embrace the Zerbiak madness, but uh, I'm a, I'm a Halliburton fan. So I, I was more confused than anything by that comment. Yeah. I think, you know, more so than anything, it's it, Tyrese is not really a guy that, you know, a lot of people are taking jabs at. He's he's not a guy that really stirs stuff up. I mean, of course he did react to that and he kept saying, well, this isn't targeted at anyone. And, and clearly it was, I mean, he was posting stuff about Wally. So like, obviously it did impact him. It, it, it did affect him, but he's human. But yeah, I, I thought that was a little bit strange, but thankfully though, you're, you're not really hunting Zerbiak stuff for that next PC. So um, that doesn't affect you too much here. I'm guessing you go to eBay, you go to ComC, right? You- eBay, ComC, I've made lots of deals directly with some friends and you know fellow collectors on Instagram. So I will use any method necessary to get the card that I'm hunting. All right, this is as good a time as any to remind you that this show is brought to you in part by ComC.com. And they are excited to announce their latest partnership with CGC Trading Cards and CSG. With over 30 million raw cards available in their marketplace, ComC is ready to provide an effortless grading experience for you to buy, sell, and now grade your Marvel, Sports, Star Wars, and TCG trading cards. ComC is thrilled to offer a smooth and seamless grading process that is available today for all customers. Okay, so earlier we talked about the Thibodeau era, Nick, specifically, but as a fellow team collector, I love that you've embraced all eras, and we were talking about our ages a little bit earlier um and you don't have to give your exact age but you're in is late 20s is that correct yep i was a 95 baby uh there was a lot of nick stuff that happened before you um and and i appreciate that you're really going through those eras and and trying to give those guys the respect they deserve um i go on your page and i see some walt frazier stuff right we've got to talk about these bearded rookies that have popped up a couple times now and I don't know if you remember the circumstances of the first one that you and I messaged about, um, but I, I saw it posted in your stories and I took that and I mentioned it. I talked about it a little bit on the show. What do you remember from that? Yeah, I've got a safe search on eBay for Walt Frazier 1969 tops. So every Walt Frazier rookie that pops up on eBay, I will generally see it. So I saw that one. I noticed it was a PSA 4 for a pretty good price. And I'm like, wow, this I might grab this one. Looked a little bit closer and I saw that somebody had drawn in a full beard with a ballpoint <laughs> pen on the card. And it was still graded and authenticated by PSA as a four. So it certainly should have been altered or something. Right. They didn't um, catch that at all. It, and it, you know what? It looked pretty good. Yeah. It was a pretty good job. Now, there was another one that you posted this week that... Uh, looked like he had been using a little too much of the just for men. Uh, looked a little dark to me. That one was a, uh, I, I think it's still up. It's a raw copy, but we've seen those two. Have there been any others that I've missed so far? Those are the only two that I've seen so far. So you mentioned just for men. He does have that uh, partnership with the beard dye. So I wonder if there's something there that's related to people drawing full beards on Walt <laughs> Frazier rookie cards. But yeah, I think that that one's still on eBay. 
around 40 bucks. I might have to grab it as a goof. I don't right. think I have the heart to draw on a card myself, but it's if, if it's already drawn on, maybe I'll grab that one for the collection. I really wanted the slab one just for the fact that, you know, it looked so good that PSA missed it. I didn't want to pay the price for it because I think it was still $150, uh, which like you mentioned is great for a PSA 4. The problem is if I ever had to move it, you know, I know that it's not really a PSA 4. So I wanted to grab that, but I, you know, I pointed it out on Twitter and it ended up getting decertified. Um, so who knows where that one's at right now or, or, you know, what, if it's been destroyed or what's going on with that one. I was I going wish... to say, I think PSA probably bought that and put it in the incinerator shortly. Yeah, thereafter. that one's probably a, a goner at this point. I wish there was a way to uh, search for those, but, you know, people aren't posting, hey, they aren't putting beard in the title with that. And and quite frankly, I don't feel like looking at every 69 tops rookie because that would add yet another search to all of my searches. So I'm going to rely on you for that. Uh, you've got to keep us in the know <laughs> if any more of those things show up. Now, Walt was part of some really successful Knicks teams in the 70s. And, and I found it interesting. And we were talking about this a little bit before recording that our teams have been successful at around the same times throughout their histories. And um, Walt and those Knicks won titles in 70 and 73. Well, the Pacers won ABA titles those same years, and they also won another one in 72. Uh, they even played an exhibition game around that same time. I think I talked about it a little bit when Slick Leonard was on the show here. Neither one of us were alive to see that, though, and, and we don't have footage of that, unfortunately. Fast forward then to the 90s, where we had the Pacers and Knicks and some pretty intense back and forths. I was just starting to watch basketball then, and I know you were just being born then. So, you know, you didn't really get to see a lot of that. Uh, I was hoping you could tell me today about how when Reggie Miller just broke your spirit on a couple different occasions, but uh, seems like that's probably not going to be the case, right? It's still, as a Knicks fan who's gone back to watch a lot of those games and learn about the history of the team, it still does haunt me. Not as much as if I had seen it in person, but yeah, watching footage of Reggie Miller scoring 25 points in a quarter and doing the the chokehold sign to Spike Lee on the sideline. It it does bring up some bad memories, even for somebody that wasn't watching it at the time. Well, at least, and, and you had the the winning time, 30 for 30. So hopefully I, I figure you've enjoyed that. And also the, you know, we mentioned the 70s Knicks. I think that, what was it called? When the Garden was Eden. That was a really good 30 for 30 as well. Something that was also in that winning time, 30 for 30. You know, if I'm going to bring up something that could have been painful for you, then I need to be able to take some punishment as well here. So there was the four-point play. Uh, I'm sure you've watched the the Larry Johnson four-point play. Now, help me out here. I've only ever found one card that depicts that play. Is there anything I'm missing? It's it's a uh, 1999 Stadium Club insert called Picture Ending. Am I missing anything else? Not that I know of, but I, I know you're the expert for matching <laughs> matching specific game moments to cards. So I might put that out there to see if anybody else knows of any but yeah I, I can't think of another four point play card well um i did buy um a black refractor copy of the tayshawn prince block on reggie miller just because i i i just hate myself right um so i <laughs> i feel like if i'm going to narrate the history of my franchise then i have to have the ups and downs so there's also the kobe jumping into shaq's arms as austin crozier walks away in the background right from our finals loss so we've got that stuff in there but um, it's really surprising to me that we don't have any other four-point play cards, especially considering that Larry Johnson has 
signed with Panini Plenty by now, and he's signing with Leaf. He's signing with all of these companies. So, it, you know, it's kind of strange that maybe we didn't get a timeless moments for that card. But anyway, that Knicks team kind of faded away for a while in the 2000s. Uh, the Pacers did too after the brawl. So we still see some parallels there. And then our teams reemerged in the 2010s which you referenced earlier, you know, sounds like when you would have been watching basketball on a pretty consistent basis by then, I'm sure I know you PC Carmelo Anthony. So there had to have been something about that era that really resonates with you, right? Absolutely. Yeah. That 2012, 2013 team was you know, probably the best Knicks team in, in my lifetime, um, at least my time watching basketball. And it was so exciting having Carmelo come to the team he came after shortly after Amari Stoudemire. So for the first time, you know, we had two legitimate all-stars. Yeah, couldn't couldn't quite get it done. And of course, fittingly, they had to lose to the Pacers in uh, 2013. But I will caveat that by saying I don't think either team was going to beat the Heat in the next round that year. So no, and you know what, it, Pacers had uh, quite their battles with the Heat, and it seems like um, okay, Jordan stopped both of our teams, right? And then LeBron stopped the Pacers and Shaq and Kobe stopped the Pacers. So it's, it's just we we were never going to get over these juggernaut teams. I will say, though, and, and I know I've, I've mentioned this several times before, that Roy Hibbert block on Carmelo where he essentially, you know, sent your franchise into the shadow realm is, is just something <laughs> that I, I have to pull it up every month or so because I just enjoy that so much. With that being said, though, I do enjoy the fact that uh, when the Knicks are good, I don't like the Knicks, but I think teams I've said, I know this isn't anything new either. I like when the Knicks are good. I like when the Celtics are good. I like when the Lakers are good. I think it's just good for the game overall. Now, would you say though, because those they've been rivals in the past. I know I had a question last week where somebody asked, are rivalries dead? What, what's your stance on that? Do you think rivalries are dead? I don't think so. I, I think there's too much history. I know we met in the 90s six times or something like that, You know, especially in the 90s when that was such a physical era. And Charles Oakley, he had that one foul on Reggie Miller that kind of kicked off uh, a lot of that animosity. Like you said, there's so many parallels between the teams being good at the same time. Um, especially this year, there's been a little bit of a rejuvenation with Wally's comments on Tyrese or Jalen and who gets the all-star nod. We're both on a good trajectory, I think. So I think the Indiana-New York rivalry is uh, is back here. You know, I, I would love to see it because, you know, they would put Reggie Miller on some of the games. Um, you know, John Starks would probably emerge out of, I, I know he's around your organization quite a bit still. Uh, it would be fun to see some of those guys come back. Patrick Ewing can stay wherever he's at, though. I don't need anything to do with him. Um, <laughs> all right. So as we near the end of today's conversation, I want to give you a chance to talk about some of the centerpieces of your PC. And I'm excited to see what you've got here because I, I honestly have no clue. I mean, I know the kind of stuff you like to collect, but picking out someone's top three is hard to do. So talk me through your three favorite cards. Go ahead and start with number three and then work your way down to number one. Yeah, so speaking of Patrick Ewing, a Patrick Ewing card will come in at number three. And this is um this is kind of a hypothetical card right now. So I have a 2017 Crown Power in the Paint insert, which one of my favorite inserts. Um, it features just forwards and centers, so it's very, you know, fitting to the theme. Looks fantastic. I say it's hypothetical because I've recently sent it off to a private signing that Ewing is doing. Okay. Um, and he only does that once every 
10 years or so the guy hates yeah signing cards <laughs> yeah actually it, it's funny i just you know i had Vinny on a while not too long ago we talked about ewing how he hates signing how those things never come up carl malone just did a signing he never does yep. them patrick ewing's doing a signing now so that's pretty incredible so you're sending this off awesome tell me a little bit more about that yeah it's been it's been sent off i uh you know sold a few things and moved it around to cover the cost of the signing because it comes up so rarely so it's a bit on the pricier side but one of my favorite cards on its own but now i will hopefully have a bold orange auto right across the the center of the card coming back in uh, the next month or so okay so it is soon then it is coming up yep i've uh talked to some friends that are speculating this might mean his retirement at uh at georgetown if okay. he's looking for a little extra cash but we'll see what happens with that well it could be a good thing i mean it could lead to him signing more which i know some people if, if you've already got a ewing autograph some people don't feel great about that but you know what like reggie miller doesn't do signings and and he's done with panini so i'd love for you know that kind of stuff to pop up as well so all right so that's your number three you're gonna have to show us show us a before and after I'm sure that will be on your Instagram. What's your number two? Number two is a 2013 Prism Gold Walt Frazier PSA 10. So he was not in the 2012 set. So this is the first year of a Walt Frazier Prism Gold. He was in 2014 and then he hasn't been in it yet again. So hmm. only two years of Prisms for Walt. So there are 20 total Prism Golds. So to have one at all is very special, but then just to have... One of the very few gem mint copies is extra special. And I picked that up last year on ComC, one of our favorite platforms. So okay. that, that will be a centerpiece in the collection for years to come. And should I ever have kids, I think they'll get that card too. Okay, excellent. And if correct me if I'm wrong, is that a black and white image on that one? Or was it just DeBusher? You're right. Yeah, it's a black and white image. Okay. So, and I think, you know, that works really well with the 2013 design. That's definitely one of my favorite products and sets ever. I know I mentioned that on last week's episode as well. All right. Well, it's going to be hard to top that for number one. So, you know, what do you have? My favorite card in the collection is a 2004 Topps Finest Walt Frazier X Fractor out of 199 signed by Walt when I met him at a card show last year inscribed with one of his famous sayings spinning and winning so i i got to meet him at a card show they say don't meet your heroes but this was the exact opposite he was so nice so friendly we joked around and i agonized for weeks over what to have him inscribe and i've seen a lot of cards where he's inscribed like hall of fame 1987 two-time nba champ um, you know, 1970 NBA finals, but I haven't seen any inscriptions of, you know, one of his silly rhymes that he says in the broadcast. So it's uh, the card itself is is cool, but, you know, nothing to write home about. But having that autograph and inscription, you know, reminds me of the time I, I met him and he showed me the championship rings and talked oh, with wow. him for a few minutes. So really, really special card. If I put it up for auction on eBay, it would probably sell for about $20. But, uh, you know, that's that will always be in the in the collection. Right. And that's an experience that, you know, like you said, you'll nobody will be able to have that experience if they were to own that card. So that's something that's very unique to you. Um, all right. Well, we'll make sure I know you've got those. I'm sure you've got them on your social media already. We'll make sure to get those reposted. Our teams have had their battles over the years, and obviously all shots that were fired today were in good fun. I really appreciated hearing from you. I've always enjoyed looking at your Instagram profile 
And uh, it was a lot of fun just talking to the person that was behind it today. So before I let you go, I want to give you a chance to plug your social media handles and then anything that you're working on or anything that you might be looking for these next few moments here are yours. Thank you so much. Yeah, I agreed. It was great to to meet you and have a conversation. So I'm uh, at Prolific Sports Cards on Instagram. Love connecting with new people and I'm chatting about cards and basketball or anything in between. There's one card that I would love to add more than any other right now, and that's the 2020 Panini One and One Walt Frazier Black One of One. Okay. For for the rainbow. So from that year of 2020 Panini One and One, I have every other Walt Frazier card in the set. I think it's silver, purple, blue, gold red, green, and the black one of one is the last one that I need. So I would I would absolutely love to have that one. If you have it and you're open to selling it, please let me know. If you're not open to selling it, <laughs> still please let me know. I would love to just see it and know where it is and, and talk about it. So if anybody has a lead, then please let me know. And that's the that's a non-autoed card, right? That's just the, the actual Correct. one in one card. Yeah, okay. The base. All right. I feel like that's gotta be floating out there somewhere. Uh Will, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Kyle. This was a lot of fun. All right. Well, there you have it. You guys know I have a soft spot for team collectors, and this week's chat was no exception. Maybe there was something Will and I talked about today that resonated with you. Feel free to reach out to me on social media. You can find me on Instagram under at Wax Museum Podcast or Twitter under the handle at Wax Museum PC. If you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to support the show by doing all of your eBay purchasing through the link on my site, which is www waxmuseumpodcast.com. There's a big eBay logo at the top. Click that, and it should give me a small percentage of whatever you purchase in the 24 hours that follow. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcast. Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store. Tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast. Podcast.